This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to VersusTheUniverse.com. That's VSTheUniverse.com. Are you ready? I was born ready. Oh, God. Wow. You just dropped your phone. I'm fine. You're ready? You said you had opening bullshit ready. Yeah, I was doing some thinking today, Liz. Uh Uh-oh. Did it hurt? Wow. Wait. You came right out of the gate. You're being mean. Wait. No, I have another one. I thought I smelled smoke. Those are actual jokes that my actual dad joked at me. I was thinking today. I don't feel like a real podcaster. I I don't feel like we can call ourselves real podcasters. And I think that's because we never talk about MeUndies or Casper mattresses. So I think we should give it a shot. Have you ever used MeUndies or a Casper mattress? Used MeUndies? Is that, I think that's a different podcast. Have you ever worn MeUndies? I have never worn MeUndies or a Casper mattress. It's going to be a lot harder than I thought. We're going to have to theoretically talk about MeUndies and Casper mattresses like we can endorse them. MeUndies are made with... Uh, cotton from the Hyperdome. Yeah, found in the Serengeti. And stitched together with koala tentacles. Yeah, that you can only find in the other Serengeti. Serengeti 2. Serengeti 2.0. Serengeti 2.0. Serengetier. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I feel like we can cut that together, send it over to MeUndies and be like, we've obviously used your product. Um, so again, we should, we I don't should think we've used sponsored. any, we should, they should sponsor us. Uh, I think they, it's usually like about three or $4,000 an episode, right? Five I mean, or to six start. Yeah. Maybe like $27,000. Yeah. And then people just roll around in it and yeah. that's what they put on their Casper mattresses. Oh, we're, oh, we're doing a clever segue. Yeah. Because you know, if you can get like a compound endorsement, it's a lot like science. It it you know folds in on each other, and there's exponents, and it just multiplies. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think that the Casper mattress moves whenever you're not looking at it? I mean, how are you supposed to see it if it's made of ghosts? No, I already started a different ghost joke. Oh. Uh. So mine was about booze. <laughs> Speaking of booze. Speaking of booze, we I'm don't... sad that I don't have any right yeah, now. Yeah. So I, I I spent the last few days hopped up on Nyquil and Mucinex because Gen Con ruined me. We were supposed to record this a few days ago, but I didn't have a voice. I came home from Gen Con and oh boy, not good. Yeah. Um. Your immune system. <laughs> not great. Not always. Not great. It doesn't always want to help you out. I've been fending off a tickle in my throat. What? Yeah. Fending it right off. So like Ant-Man in there, like tickling your lungs? Oh, gosh. I hope not. Yeah. He's going to have to get bigger one of these days. Yeah. You know what works really well when all of that shrinking and embiggening and doesn't <laughs> chafe at all? Yeah. Me Undies, the oh. sponsor of today's episode wow. of this podcast. It's a commercial inside a commercial. The podcast, which is called The Co-op. The Co-op. The co-op. We should probably figure out what the actual products are and then apply for sponsorship before we begin talking about the products. MeUndies is a new type of all-natural organic peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> MeUndies is a translucent cough medicine that you put on your elbows. MeUndies is a new alternative to VapoRub to prevent bad smells from getting right in that, into that nose hole. <laughs> MeUndies, the chair that brings you... Wherever you want to go. Me undies. 
the story that never ends. <laughs> Me Undies, the unofficial sequel to every Goosebumps book. And I think I'm the done. The final remix. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this episode, all we're going to do is get hopped up on cough medicine and talk about Gen Con 2018. Are you ready, Liz? I don't have any cough medicine. I don't have any sort of drugs or drug paraphernalia <laughs> or booze. Maybe we need a whiskey break. Well, then you have the theme song to go get yourself a drink starting right now. Oh, we're not doing the theme song. <laughs> All right. Theme song now. Welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast, starring the real-life human couple, Liz. Hi. And Aaron. Wow. I wasn't sure if you were going to say hi. I was confused. We're doing something a little different today. Yeah. We're sitting on the couch. We're sitting on the couch because my poor, frail body finds it comfortable. The real truth is that we had to move our table for a party that we had, and we just haven't moved it back. It's never moving back. That is now the permanent place for the table. Uh, Sorry, only three-player games from here on out. This more casual arrangement is making me feel very free and loose. Is is it? Yeah. You sound very you monotone could, right now. You couldn't tell from that loose <laughs> bullshit that we had at the beginning of the yeah, episode. Yeah, usually we, we have like our notebooks and we prepare notes and we have our intro and outro in front of us. Uh, I this mean, is the test to see if I remember it. Yeah, yeah, there, there will be a quiz. Uh we just wanted to talk about our Gen Con experience, some of the games that we played, uh, some of the things we saw, demoed, playtested, and report back to you, our listeners, because Gen Con is such a fun time, and uh, we wanted to share it with everybody. We did. We wish that all of you could have joined us, but it's too late, because you didn't. You are so relaxed right now. I'm having some water. Yeah. Is that water? Is that... This is actually water. Are you sure? 100% certain that all right. it's water. All right, just chug a lug. I did have an egg roll earlier, though. Oh, one of those alcoholic egg rolls, huh? No, this was just like a plain old egg roll, but maybe I'm a little hopped up on MSG. Hey, let's be serious. That was a good egg roll. It was very good, and I appreciate that as penance for not getting me one, you let me eat half of it. Anyway, Gen Con Gen is great. Con. And we've made lists of things that we wanted to talk about. Liz, I thought we would just like go down the list like one by one and talk about some of these things. Yeah, this is our second or third annual it's, Gen it's Con recap It's not the episode. first, that's for sure. I think it might be the third. It's one of those things. One of them. It might be the second. Who knows? It could also be the third. Yeah. Today I want to talk to you, Aaron, about Trash Pandas. Trash Pandas. Now, I played this game. This is a fun game. It is an excellent game. Uh, it is from GameRight, W-R-I-G-H-T. Okay. Those are the same people that, that are doing Forbidden Sky. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's a really fun little game. It's also, I th- believe, from the same people that did Donut. Oh. Donut Madness. Donut. Uh, Donuts for Donuts. Donuts for Donuts. Which, what a great name for a game. Excellent name. But, you know, that didn't pull me in the same way that Trash Pandas did. Trash Pandas. Now, what what is a Trash Panda? So, Trash Panda is a cool internet slang term that the children use for... <laughs> it's a teenage colloquialism. Yeah. Uh, it is a... It is a teen patois, if you will. Wow. For Isn't that like a cheese plate? No, you're thinking of... Charcuterie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were just like, what is any other French word that I know? <laughs> uh, no, Trash Panda is 
lol speak for not badgers that's silly raccoons, raccoons. yes um one of those red wall type people so uh what trash pandas is is a it's nice it's one of those compact games it mm-hmm. comes in a pretty small box and it's just a deck of cards and like six dice mm-hmm. and it is a fun little press your luck um victory point game so basically you have different types of cards there's like six or seven different types of cards in the game and you go all the way through the entire deck with the people playing and the things that you are able to do this is what i think is sort of a clever mechanic the things you're able to do during your turn are determined by the die the die that you roll so there's i'm sorry there's one die and then like six or seven little tokens yeah so you roll this die and it might have a symbol that lets you draw two cards. So then you take that little token and you go through them. But if you repeat a die roll, then you bust and you can't do anything on your turn. So that's where the pressure luck thing comes in. If you keep rolling, you're taking away the options for what you can do on your turn. Right. And there are, like I said, six or seven options. And if you get all of them Mm -hmm. from the die roll without ever repeating, then you get a whole second free turn, which is a, a really Madness. big deal. Yeah. Um so yeah, you just do that and you collect cards and they have these this cute art and they have fun names like fish, like fish. F E E S H. It's it's all lol and yeah. it's kite. Kite. And um, K I T T E H. Yeah, and there's a little bit of interaction with other people where you can steal cards, but then like what the kite does is it says, "Eh, uh-uh, you can't steal my card and in fact, I am going to steal one of yours instead." Um, so there's cute little things like that and it's just really nice it's one of those games that it takes like five minutes to learn how to play love having something like that in your back pocket uh they actually sold out of it at the con so i got to play a few times but i didn't actually get to buy it but i pre-ordered it immediately it it is it is a very charming low stakes game that i think that you can teach somebody, like Liz said, very quickly and play a few rounds. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you can play, certainly at like a family gathering. Like you could play with your grandma. Um, it's fun. It, it's and then good, you can teach her about up. Trash Pandas. It's very charming. Yes. Uh, and and Game Right for me has always been a publisher that I've liked, but I've never been too enamored with. Uh, but Trash Pandas is, is just the right level of entry for me. And I, I really, really dig it. Yeah. Um, I had Trash Pandas on my list. So I'm going to go down one. And talk about uh, a game called Keyforge. So, Keyforge, ooh, tell me what Keyforge is. Keyforge is a new card game from one of the original makers of Magic: The Gathering, which is celebrating its 25th year in existence uh, this year. It's okay. It's I'm trying to wrap my head around what exactly it is, but Keyforge is a little different from other card collecting uh, battle games, like. I love Star Wars Destiny, where you have to buy booster packs to make a deck, and then you take that deck into battle against somebody else's deck. Keyforge has the same deck battling mechanic, but there's no booster packs. The idea behind it is that every deck is unique, and, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to use this analogy that I read online. Um, In Keyforge, it's like you are uh, a jockey of a horse. And you just have to learn how to ride that horse better than anybody else. And if your skill with that deck is better than somebody else's skill with it, you're going to win. Right. So uh, these pre-made decks are being developed by Fantasy Flight, which sounds like a logistical nightmare. 
it sounds like there has to be so much play testing and balancing that goes into fine tuning these decks. Um, it just sounds like madness, but I think it, if it works, it'll be brilliant because then it will cut down on people hunting for elusive cards. It sounds yeah. like tournament play will be a lot more fair. Right. It but sounds it, like the tournament play was one of the real reasons that this was this concept was developed, right? Yeah. It, it sounds like for me, for, I, I did Star Wars Destiny tournaments last year, Gen Con, and you pretty much saw the same four characters rotating in and out of the top right. spots. And that can be a little discouraging because... It feels like if you don't have those cards and you don't really stand a chance. But with Keyforge, if you're proficient with a deck, you have a much more manageable chance at, at landing at the top. Yeah, my understanding was part of the reason this was developed is if you looked at like the top five or six, I think it was Magic the Gathering players uh-huh. um, in the sort of tournament world, they all had almost the same deck. Yeah. And, and they, which for Magic the Gathering, you're buying cards and you're like mixing and matching. And so what it basically came down to was like, if you manage to get this certain deck put together by being lucky and finding these cards or spending tons of money and getting these cards. Unstoppable. Then you had a very competitive deck and it wasn't just based on skill it was it was more pay to win in a way right and so um i think it was actually one of the the magic developers yeah richard garfield yeah was turned off by that concept and was like what if we make something that sort of is an equalizer um and you know the downside is that then instead of like buying packs of cards you have to buy full decks so i don't know that it's really going to stop people from spending quite a bit of money but um yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out if anything i think it has the capacity to disrupt the market in some way and get some people thinking about alternatives to just like buying boosters over and over and over again yeah um the one thing that it it seems like a lot of people are biting on overwatch's style a lot of people want that hero based gameplay to really take off um in Keyforge, I look at that and I go, you made Overwatch. I hope it doesn't turn into Battleborn. I hope it doesn't turn into Lawbreakers. I hope it emulates Overwatch more than those other games. But uh, a few of my friends, we're going to go in on uh, splitting starter packs and see what it's all about. It comes out in November, and I'm cautiously optimistic. I would like to get back into a card game that a lot of people are playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you did get back into Star Wars Destiny. Oh, girl, you know me. Oh, man. So you, not too long ago, sold a bunch of your Destiny cards because, uh-huh. if I recall correctly, you didn't really have enough people to play with, so you weren't playing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you played a little bit at Gen Con. Yeah. And I think suddenly realized that you could conjure some folks into being to uh-huh. play with more. Yeah. Here. And so you got a bunch more. I Destiny got cards. a nice little Trapper Keeper binder with old yeah. Luke from Last Jedi on it. I got a booster box and I immediately got some cards that I've always wanted, including old Luke. And I took that as a sign. And damn it, I'm going to get people to play with me this time because I really love that game. I think it's really fun. I I like it a lot more than most any other card game I've played. I really love it. Yeah, I... You were very disappointed. I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> I thought it was funny how many people around us were disappointed in you. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm marrying that man. I, I, I know. I did think it was funny how many people were like, 
all right, you're getting back into this. Can you teach me how to play? And I'm like, can I? And right. I taught about five people at Gen Con how to play Star Wars Destiny using these trash cards I got in these boosters. So if you live in Chicago and you uh-huh. love Star Wars Destiny and you want to play with Aaron, please hit us up. Please. He needs friends to play with. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Right. Uh, okay. So the next game that I want to talk about uh-huh. is a game that I found really exciting that also sold out at the con. Man, it's like story of our lives at this Gen I Con. I know. It's called Gizmos. Uh-huh. And um, in addition to the story of our lives about games selling out, another sort of story of this con for me was games that remind me of Splendor. Which is an automatic selling point for right. us As in all things. As you listeners know, we talk about it a lot. It's a really great um, sort of mid-tier casual game for us. Mid-tier in terms of difficulty. Yeah. Um, and what I liked about some of these games that I encountered this year is that they sort of scale it up a little bit from what we're used to with Splendor, which is really fun. So Gizmos is really cool. You are... The reason it's similar to Splendor is that you are, like, collecting marbles instead of gems to buy cards that you sort of use to make a machine mm-hmm. so um so you're kind of like a flint lockwood right i don't understand that reference but Cloudy with the chance of meatballs oh naturally oh Liz. at any rate what you're doing is and when i say building machine i mean um building the patriarchy no so you you have this bar in front of you you put different types of cards uh that allow you to do different things so you might use four marbles to buy a card that now lets you change black marbles into blue marbles whenever you want to. And then you might buy another card that lets you change blue marbles into any color you want whenever you want. So you're building this quote-unquote machine to help you get more and more victory points to buy more cards. And what's fun about it, I like that machine creation aspect of it to begin with, but it also comes with this little, they're like these plastic marbles in this bin and part of the whole process is like picking marbles at random or getting to choose a few that come out this this uh slot in a line in the front it's just like a fun looking game it looks really cool yeah and it it's another sort of like splendor where you you don't need to like focus tons and tons you're just working on building up victory points there's not like direct attacks against other players which as you know is something i like i like to avoid you're more like thwarting plans but you're not directly attacking them uh thwarting plans only somewhat but i really like games generally that let me focus on you getting as many victory points as i can and not on you know trying to stomp on somebody else sure to the extent that we might both want the same card and then i go after that yeah maybe um, but I just am less fond of kind of like fucking over other people that I'm playing with. It's the same reason that we started playing cooperative games to begin with, right? Like it's nice to not know that somebody is going to be kind of pissed off at the end of something. Yeah, you're all going towards a, a common goal. Right. Um, so yeah, Gizmos was really fun. And I believe it was... I just want to double check who made it. Oh, isn't it... Uh... Oh gosh, Simon. Yeah, which uh, which seems unusual, right? Cool Simon, which not, is cool, mini or not? It seems yeah. like they've been pouring all their resources into like these giant miniatures games, right? So when I saw Gizmos was Simon, uh, I was like, I'm sorry, I say come on. Uh, you want to say come on? I want to say come on. It's cool, mini or not? Yeah, uh, but it it seems like 
a game I wouldn't expect from that publisher. And so it made me happy to see them not doing expensive, crunchy mini games. Yeah, yeah. And I think what they wanted to do was really explore that machine building aspect of gameplay, which becomes part of a lot of other games. You know, that's one of the things I love the most about Lords of Waterdeep, which is my favorite game. Oh, it's so good. Is sort of building that machine of like buying certain buildings and having certain plot quests that let you do things. So you get to a point where you like the marbles I was talking about, like in Lords of Waterdeep, I might get something where every time I get a rogue, I get to do this. And then every time I do that thing, I get to draw another card. And so then you build up this kind of system that lets you do a whole bunch of stuff during one turn. Uh, I have a game I'd like to talk about. It's it's the first oh? game we played at the convention. Uh, we We had the luxury of spending a lot of time with the people from the restoration games booth and uh, we had a chance to demo we had like a private demo of fireball island the cults of uh, the cults the curse of volcar yeah it was so fun and i was totally like not sure what to think about it just from looking at it because i was like is this like a kid's game like is this sort of a mousetrap thing well you never played it as a kid i had never played it before so i I was just like why are people so excited about this there were two games that i played with my cousins a lot growing up one was fireball island the other one was mall madness uh yeah i I remember being like mall madness seems more fun (laughs) there's a sale in the shoe department yeah and you got like a little credit card it was super cool um but as of (laughs) capitalism the game yeah uh recently my friends at stage 773 here in chicago we had an old copy of fireball island and we would uh always take a little shot of fireball on our turn and we got drunk playing fireball island terrible it was a lot of fun uh so when fireball island hit kickstarter um i knew a lot of people that were associated with it and i had a lot of nostalgia around it i went all in on it uh and and i'll admit i was like i I hope there's enough here for me to like really sink my teeth right because so it used to be a little less strategic it was pretty much like roll the die move ahead a few spaces and the first one to the end wins it had no real strategy but what restoration games has done is there still is the the bulk of the game is moving around this board but they give you objectives now now uh you have to go to all these sightseeing spots and take pictures of volcar and collect artifacts and yeah. treasures along the way and it's not super duper crunchy no. but it is something to do it is the perfect amount of crunchiness where you can have a few beers have a conversation and still play the game and it it just it has a lot of whimsy the the presentation of it is really fantastic yeah i'm very impressed i'm really impressed with the whole sort of restoration games thing basically of taking because i at one point thought it was more of a direct remix these are not in print anymore and now we're gonna you know change the colors up a little bit and print them out again but it's they're not they're they're uh sort of evolving the games a little bit too which is really cool yeah and and i mean full disclosure we hang out with a lot of these people at Gen Con, uh, but I would not have put it on the list unless I really felt strongly about it. I'm very excited. They're going to fulfill their Kickstarter in no, uh, November, December area. Their bajillion dollar Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. And uh really feels like they earned it. And uh, I'm very excited to stay in one Sunday and like get a 
get a full table together to play it. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's going to be really fun. Um, one thing that... So, Restoration Games is... One of the people involved with it is Rob Daviau, who does the legacy... Most of the legacy games that are sort of well-known. He's the one that, like, started it. Yeah, exactly. Um, started it with Risk Legacy and then the Pandemic Legacy game. And I yeah. was thinking about, you know, every con every every gen con i've been to there's been sort of like a game of the con like what this is what people are talking about this is what people are really excited to buy and um you know one of those years it was pandemic legacy one of those years it was seafall this one so so the restoration game stuff is a little bit different and i think people were really excited about that but what i thought sort of seemed like there wasn't anything that stood out tons this year but what i think came as close as possible to the game of the con is root yes Yes. like man i don't even think it's a question i think i saw everybody buying that game and i saw like just walking around indianapolis people just carrying around that in the expansion there were plushies there were lots of people bought that yeah but i think the plushes there was a stuffed animal of a trash panda there's yeah it, it was a it's there's like a raccoon character right the, yeah I, I think that's the one that was selling best i know that there there's was only also one a bird oh yeah then there's it had only to one plush that. yeah um they're going to make plushes of the other one so so what root is and i had pulled up who makes it it's the same people that made vast vast which i still haven't played which vast I, is a fantastic game right oh, and boy. it's another game that in in vast every every player has a different role right so in vast you can be a knight you can be a bunch of spiders you can be the cave you can be the dragon you can be a thief and every one of those uh parts has a different uh set of mechanisms and objectives and it's very complicated but very rewarding when you play right so in root there also are different roles for every player and it, I got to play most of the way through a game. We didn't finish it. Who were you? I was the Eerie. I'm trying to remember. They have like several different names, but I was the bird people. Okay, so you were the forest communists. No, the forest communists are uh, badgers, I think. Oh, I thought they were the birds. No, the birds are basically like um, the rapid expanders. They, uh. because they get, they like can fly around the board and occupy territory. Um, but yeah, it's really cute. It's this like little woodland creatures. It's like, what if Richard Scary in Redwall met in the middle? Basically, yeah. Um, it's that's two a good Redwall way to put references it. this episode. That is, I know. Hey, that's fine. Um, yes. Yeah. I was the Eerie. The other factions are the Marquise which is a bunch of cats mm-hmm. that are in charge of the frontier economy and trying to police the vast wilderness. <laughs> what a great thing already. Right. The Eerie muster their hawks to take back the woods. They build roosts and capture a bunch of territory. The Alliance hide in the shadows. They're sort of the roguish people. That's, is and that the, is that I the mice? I think those are like foxes and mice i think but the mice is what they're primarily i I did a print and play uh session and that's who i was yeah and the vagabond is the uh raccoon yes and that is the one that everybody was carrying around that they made stuffed animals of and that's the person that kind of like goes back and forth between different factions and so they all have completely i mean completely different little player boards like they're very different 
Um, it's a little bit like Scythe is what I compare it to, having not played Vast. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scythe, even, the characters all can do pretty much the same thing. They just have different motivations. But in this game, you your turn is, looks completely different. Yeah. Um, which is very interesting. And I think it's a really cool thing that seems to be getting a little bit more popular in games to have those different characters doing different things. Um, it must be held a play test. That's I, all I can I think can't, about. Yeah, to really get the balance right in a game like that, I think would just take so much work. Uh, but yeah, this is really cute. It's not that bad to set up. It's definitely is sort of an uphill uh, learning curve as far as figuring out how to play. And then it's like once you know how to play, you really know how to play one character. Um, but it seems worth it. It's It seems like a good level of like pretty crunchy game, but it's not um, kind of overwhelming. It's not prohibitive. Yeah. Like the things that you do are not that difficult. It's just about figuring out what the things are i've i so we actually uh i backed it on kickstarter and the night before we left for gen con i opened the game because it was delivered that day and i was like i really want to bring it but i know later games uh take a lot of time to learn and i looked over the rule book and i just was like yeah i this is a game for after gen con and almost everyone that i spoke to that played it at gen con said i really loved it but now that I know how it plays, I feel like I can actually play it. Right. And there's something to be said for getting that part out of the way early, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel the same way. We didn't finish that game, but now I have a pretty good idea of how this one character works that I was playing. And I think that'll make it a little bit of a faster start the next time mm-hmm. I want to play. Fortunately for us, our friend Matt got pretty familiar with a bunch of the yep. different roles. And so he's going to help us. Oh, man. It was Matt's first Gen Con. And. He like what a good guy, and it was so awesome to see him like take it all in. He lit up. I was uh, so happy. Yeah, it was very fun. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to play more of Root. Um, yeah, just super positive about that. Mm-hmm. Um, one another Kickstarter game that I got a chance to observe an awful lot, but not play, uh, was a game by a group called Certifiable Studios called Who Goes There. Oh yeah, and we got that right. It's it's coming. They they had a little bit of a snag with their fulfillment um, in box sizes, but we should have it in like a week or three. Um, but who goes there? If you're familiar with John Carpenter's movie The Thing, uh, it's one of the best horror movies ever. The Thing is based off a short story called Who Goes There, and the board game is a is an almost direct adaptation of that short story. So you're gonna have like McCready and all the people that you know from the movie The Thing, but it's going to be more like the book representation. Um, and it's essentially uh, a game where you need to collect supplies, repair this helicopter, and then fly away from this Arctic base without being infected by The Thing. Um, in watching it play, I could not tell you how it played. It is a complicated game, and I didn't get to like actually uh, sit, sit down with it. But the thing I wanted to talk about was... The components are so nice. And this is so funny because there also was a board game that came out recently the called thing. The Thing. In, uh, Infestation at Outpost 31, which yeah. I didn't love. I you played, played it? I played it once with Sam. Didn't love it. Okay. Um, What didn't you love about it? It, it Man, it just felt too long. It, and, and one of the things about who goes there is 
every group that I observed, I asked them how long their session was, and they said an hour to ninety minutes, which feels oh, that's a good length. Yeah, it, yeah. it feel it feels like the air won't be trapped in the balloon for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but the components, uh, uh, a really popular thing that uh, I saw originated inside is the uh, the double thick player boards. Yeah, so where everything the pieces fits fit nice specifically in their little. Nooks. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I think Root would benefit from because there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, but, but just the components and the box insert for who goes there. I, I found somebody in our conference room that was like, you need to see the box insert because they apparently knew that I loved right. like how nicely everything fits in. And it's such a small joy to see a game that you can easily break down and put back in. And, uh, every single group that I talked to said they loved it. Yeah. I can't wait to play it. I'm like very, I know, I feel like I do this every year and I know this fall is going to be very busy for us. But I keep, I always am like, man, I'm excited for when it's good, like, board game <laughs> night weather. Yeah. And, like, then we never have as many board game nights as I want to have. But, um, yeah, the way that a game looks, especially at Gen Con, can be such a big seller. Uh, one, the next game I want to talk about is Space Park. <gasps> yes, it's on my list, too. I want to talk about that one. Which, That's Space another Park, Kickstarter game. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. Um, it has really interesting art. So I actually just wa- was walking in the convention hall and saw the booth with it and was like, this is awesome. I got to look at this. So it's a, a pretty small game. And what drew me to it was... It's the first game we played when we got home from Gen Con, right? It was, yeah. So um, I only ended up buying two full games, and this was Space Park and then another one that I'm going to discuss shortly, but... We have hanging up in our apartment the uh, NASA made those like or commissioned these like old timey park posters for different planets like come to Venus where blah, blah, blah. Come see the asteroid. Yeah. With this like old cool art style. And that's what this game has. And it's it's sort of built on the same concept. It's not actually the planets. They're called like Fusion Falls. And, yeah. You know, it's it's um, kind of Bioshocky. I always think of that. Yeah. So so the concept is basically and this is another game that sort of reminds me of Splendor. So the concept is basically to think of yourself as being like an international scout or not in an interspace scout. Yeah. And what you need to do is you need to collect badges at different locations in the galaxy. And so it's a modular board, which I always love, um, with this different these different cool art pieces. There's like six or seven areas, and you, you can set them up however you want each time you play. And then there's these little rocket ships. And you can go wherever the rocket ships are, and you collect crystals, which, again, sort of like Splendor, you're collecting crystals. You turn them in to buy badges which are just like the lord cards Mm -hmm. in splendor noticing a trend here right um and again there's a little bit of machine building where some of the badges give you kind of um buffs that you can use later like certain kinds of badges now will cost one less crystal to buy um so the pieces are really nice it has those um those new plastic crystals that are sort of popular in a lot of games they're sort of irregular shapes and uh, the little spaceships are fun. And like I said, the art is just really what drew me to it. And I talked to them a little bit and they said it's actually like one of the main artists that works for REI. 
Oh, really? Um, yeah. And so oh, they like, specifically asked this, this person to work with them on this because it was this like old timey park poster style that they wanted to go for. So it's a really cute little game. Um, it's also pretty easy to explain and it doesn't take it? up that much room. Pardon? How, much was, how much was it? Uh, I believe it was about $30. Okay. So but, it was, it's a little more, I mean, it's, it's like the components are really nice. So yeah, yeah, yeah I was not worried and it was my first purchase of the con. So I was very happy to There's bear. nothing like your first game. Nothing like my first game of the con. It was, uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel like when I told you, like when we sat down to play it, I liked it so much, but I was very tired. And I think you're like, I don't know if you totally believe me, but I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a good time. Yeah, it was really fun. I just really wanted, I like made you play it. Yeah. When it, you were tired. But that's fine. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get a whole lot of time for games at Gen Con, but one game, uh, and this is going to be a running trend. Uh, one game that I hope to cover on the show soon is a game uh, being published by, oh gosh, it's either Plaid Is it Hat. Earworm? No, it's never being published. Uh, I think it's either Space Cowboys or Plaid Hat, uh, the Choose Your Own Adventure Oh game. yeah, I'm excited about that. This is a game I got to briefly demo one of the days on the floor. Like literally choose your own adventure, like that choose your own adventure brand of books that were around when we yeah. were kids. Harkens yeah. back to like the late 80s, early 90s, white cover and I always think it's the uh I always think it looks like the door to the city of the dwarves in Lord of the Rings. Sure. Uh, there, there's like this nice little archway. Um but the thing that that struck me about it is component wise it's very uh minimalist there's a track card that basically measures how far along in the game you are and all the cards have illustrations from the old choose your own adventure books and it's a very simple co-op game where you're trying to help each other escape cooperative you say yeah i know right where you i don't want to talk about it too much but um where you're trying to escape whatever uh scenario uh you picked and it played really easy. It seemed very inviting. And it's a game that brought me in from nostalgia, but continued to hold my attention through uh, how how clever and simple it was. So we ordered it. It should be here next week, but I'm very, very excited to sit down with you and play that. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be here so soon, man. Um, yeah. yeah, that is exciting. And again, like we didn't buy it at the con I th- it was maybe not available. I or? bought no. I went up to the booth and I'm like, "Do you have it?" And like, we just sold out. And I said, yeah. "Okay." We we went around on the and this is our fault. It was the last day, but I think we went to like six different booths and they all had sold oh, it out. Sucked. Yeah. Um. That's fine. We have a wedding to play for. But yeah. Um. One the other game that I did buy is a game called Tags. So, can you? I've watched you play this like three times. Explain to me what the hell this so game is. So this is so fun. Um. It's it looks so weird. It's basically sporkle the board game what if you ever did sporkle like the quizzes? online yeah so so there's it's actually it's really cool so uh, more marbles that was apparently a theme <laughs> that's for me the this theme. year marble madness um because there's marbles in in uh gizmos gizmos and in fireball island yeah oh my god i forgot about that yeah that's like the whole thing in fireball island yeah. you like flick the little marbles at each other yeah liz anyway. wanted to waste me with the marbles in that game at any rate uh yeah so what you do is there's like an x-axis and a y-axis 
on this board and then there are a bunch of little cards that are shaped like tags that go on the axes Mm -hmm. and one side has letters or like contains th or ends in y things like that and then the other axis has categories of things so um you know movie titles or places in australia if it's th movie titles you'd say fifth element exactly and so then then there's a board in the middle and the board you fill it with different colored marbles there's white black and blue and the white ones are worth one point the blue ones are worth two points and the black ones are worth three points so you put them in at random flip all the cards around and then you have 10 seconds on your turn to get as many like as many marbles as you can. So, like, you might say fifth element and then take that marble. Oh, yeah, this is a you game. Uh, it's very fun. Yeah. And so then, right, you collect the marbles and you keep going back and forth. What I like about it is, yes, it's 10 seconds. And I don't always like games where you have to, like, do a bunch of stuff in a small amount of time. But then you go back and forth. So, like, I'll maybe get two or three of them and then you'll go. And then I'll have that time to think a little bit more and then I'll go and until we have gone through everything that's on the board it's really fun and you can play with quite a few people because you can play with up to four but you can also have teams um so yeah i really liked it and it was only like 30 dollars for all that stuff i can i can see where we would have a really good time with this it reminds me of a more uh i don't want to say complicated but a more complex version of anomia Exactly, yeah. It's similar to Anomia um, in that way where, where, right, you do have that. You actually have Anomia when you're playing it where you're like, ah, oh, I know I know that I know a place in Australia that begins with W. What is yeah. wrong with me, right? Uh, uh, Whitney. Sure. Wellburn. New South Wales, depending. Brisbane. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's fun and we'll definitely bring that um to family holidays that's a good family game that's gonna be a really good one and that's the kind of thing where you can have teams and then like your aunt can be like i don't know oh and then like (laughs) jump in uh because i love that you describe my aunt who just like ah gosh i don't know what to do with these words i described one of my like seven aunts um yeah so it is yeah that was really fun i'm excited to play that tags tags um yeah yeah but if you like sporkle then this is right up your alley. I'm I'm very excited about this yes. now. Uh, and also, if you don't know what Sporkle is, you should look up S P O R C L E. Oh, I remember college. Yeah. Well, not everyone remembers college. <sighs> Some people blacked the whole thing out. Yeah, man, junior year is a blur. Um, I want to talk about a game. Uh, we play tested our friend Rich Howard's RPG. Uh, Gosh. Descent into Midnight. Okay, because I kept thinking it was Descent into Madness. That's it's not It's Midnight, it. and Rich, if you're listening, I apologize because I kept telling people Descent into Madness, and I thought... That's I was like, because Aaron has a special relationship with the sea. I hate the sea. We don't belong there. So, uh, this legs. was on my list also, and yeah. I'm very glad that you brought it up. It's an RPG. Uh, tabletop RPG. And it is it is not currently like out for commercial release, but according to Rich, everything that he showed us is available online. So if you uh Yeah, if you they're playtesting some new arch- like character archetypes. Yeah, and if you if you want to at Umbral Walker, U M B R A L W A L K E R uh Rich is one of the designers. He's got a, a, a intrepid team of people behind him helping him with it. Um 
what what were your thoughts yeah 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 um so this was a cool basically it's like the first thing the we setting did. It, yeah it was one of the earlier things we did and the setting of this is the ocean as you uh-huh. may have gathered and um you can create like this is not like the ocean on our earth it is a complete oceanic life right i mean obviously it's an rpg so you can make it whatever you want but yeah the, the concept is is not like oh lobsters and stuff it's like these are creatures <laughs> that only inhabit the ocean and can don't have like our earthly limitations so um like i ended up playing basically this like roving uh the, sort the of school of what fish at uh, the myria myria is what I called it because like myriad. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're really this, like, good at roving this. school of fish that were all like connected by nanobots, kind of to form like one being with one consciousness. Uh, you played. I I played. Oh gosh, I oh I played a sea creature or a sea species called Empty, where they were an empathic organism that took on the appearance of whoever they were talking to in order to calm them down right um and these are things that we both made up so you get you get an archetype like the seeker or the guide just just like powered by the the apocalypse maybe yeah i i i did whatever was built on empathy yeah um and yeah and then you just kind of go from there and it was a really fun session and certainly if you are intrigued by like sea life or you know, if you think that kind of alternate reality like is cool to you, you should 100% check it out. Descent into Madness. I believe the Twitter is at D-I-M. RPG? Yes. Yeah. We, we will fix it in the show notes yeah. somewhere. Um, one of the, th- the, the main thing that really struck me about the game is, uh, as Liz said, I have a very uncomfortable relationship with the sea. Uh, I'm, I just don't like underwater things and uh i knew that going in it was going to have to deal with aquatic life in some way uh but the way that rich dm the game had me feel very comfortable Mm -hmm. and uh at first i I had this moment of like oh no am i going to be able to contribute to this but uh having a very limited knowledge of the sea and having a lot of fear about the sea um I felt very at home at that table and the amount of freedom that the game gives you to make whatever you want was very, very relaxing to me. Right. And, uh, and it, you don't have to be 100% right about ocean facts in no, that situation. No. I know that's something you were kind of worried about because you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the ocean. <laughs> I've only been thinking about like, <laughs> it's dark and it will kill me. Uh, but but I, I just, I really enjoyed uh, having that sort of experience early on in the con, um, it was just a, a really cool experience, uh, and I wanted to highlight it. Yeah, and it, it really, you know, we played with basically all strangers. Um, cool people. Yeah, right. Cool and, people. And, like, I've met Rich, like, one other time in real life, and to have something gel that quickly together, I think, says a lot about the other players, a lot about the GM, and a lot about the kind of world in the rule set that we were working with so it's uh it's definitely a really cool game they were able to take a very to me foreign idea 
and distill it down to a few simple beats that made it inviting. Right. Um, so if you have the uh, ability to play test it or if whenever they want to come to market on it, I, I would strongly consider giving it a look. Totes. Um, so I wanted to briefly mention uh-huh. that I got the Sagrada expansion and I know yes. we've talked about Sagrada before on the show. It's which so is good. This, Yeah. And this is what's funny. Sagrada, I think basically like spans my entire history at Gen Con because I want to say at my first Gen Con, <gasps> yeah. it had not been kickstarted yet and they brought demos and I played it and I was like, I love this. And I like made a calendar invite for myself to know when the <laughs> demo was, the, when the Kickstarter started. And then I kickstarted it and then I got that. And now it's been expanded and they had a super giant one at their booth. Um, this is. You flipped. You were so excited. I was so, a giant, like, like 10 or 12 or I don't know, 20 times, not yeah. 20. 15 times the size of the actual... The box was about four feet high and three feet across. Yeah, it was very exciting. And we're having some games at our wedding. And I was like... Don't jinx it. I want us to have Don't jinx this. it. Is there any way to make it happen? And we, who knows? We might find a way to borrow it or something. Um, but yeah, it. regardless... I love the game. I'm happy there's an expansion. That means you can play with more people because that was one limiting factor. Um, I think it was up to four before, yeah, which the it expansion seems like a lot, six. but I always seem to run into having five or six, like six people if you have like two couples over or something like that. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And yeah, that's it's from Floodgate Games, who I ended up, I've bought like almost all of their games. They have uh, Vault Wars. Vault Wars. And then there's Epic like Resort. Epic Resort. Um, Which we still haven't played. We have to play it. Yeah. And they have a new one coming out called Bosk. B-O-S-K. Looks That's, beautiful. Yeah. It looks really pretty. It's about growing trees, I believe. Um, so yeah, I love Floodgate Games and I'm very excited that that l- large Sagrada exists at least. <laughs> Uh, and also, um, there was another game that I played that was kickstarted successfully and it is a really cool game. And also the person, the people that designed it are very attractive. Oh, geez. Come on. I really like it. Come on. A lot. I thought you were talking about a legit game. (laughs) I am talking about a legit game. I'm talking about a party game called Earworm. Th- that yeah. I love and also I love one of the people that designed <laughs> it but that is unrelated uh let's talk about the earworm meetup because that was a really good experience exactly see um, look what a good segue so uh we we had the earworm meetup at our conference room and we played one of the biggest earworm games I think ever there were about eight people per team yeah it was I mean, pretty big it was and uh as a designer seeing eight people on a team I as soon as we started, I was like, ah, oh, we should have broken it up into four groups of four. But uh, No, ha- I thought it was fun with that many people. Oh, it was it was totally fun. Uh, but it was great to see a lot of the cards that we had put in the game later in the process take off. Yeah, this was the first time that we played with the post-Kickstarter deck. Yes. Right? Uh, there were a few cards that snuck in there from other demos. Uh, but it had a lot of the cards that were up for the vote. Um, I noticed that simple and clean was passed over almost immediately. That's wow. fine. It's almost like it sh- doesn't need to. It was voted in. Come on. 
but yeah, I, I, one of one of my favorite things was people would say, "Oh, I wish that Bonnie Tyler was in the game," and I could say without a shadow of a doubt that yes, that is in the game somewhere, and the deck was just so big we couldn't find it. Right. Um, it was a little gratifying for me to have. Uh, we had a backer from Chile come in and didn't didn't speak complete English, but said it, that they wanted to come to the meetup and they had backed the game, but they weren't sure how it played. So they observed for about 10 minutes and uh, they said that they felt really good about backing it and they were excited and shook my hand and left. And it was it was a very it, it felt very good to have that experience. Yeah, totally. If I can be self-indulgent for a moment. Yeah, indulge all you want baby this is your podcast <laughs> this is the epitome of self-indulgence yeah uh just just a white dude talking about a thing he made on a podcast it's fine yeah so yes earworm is wonderful i love it and i love you and i'm very happy that it continues to do well pre-orders are open if you go to earwormgame.com you can get a copy uh I also had the ability to demo the game for uh, the games on demand crew all lovely people like if i feel like everyone that i demoed the game for at gen con are like i just want to get a beer with all of them they were yeah. so great uh I, also i will give a strong shout out to the people from tabletop squadron that play tested my new game uh i went into gen con thinking i might just stop developing this game because previous play tests were good but it wasn't gelling for me uh, but the session we had at Gen Con was like my favorite part of Gen Con. Oh yeah, uh, I think they I had wasn't a, involved. Well, you <laughs> but but you, you heard like the end of it. I heard part of it. Yeah. Uh, such a such a great time, and I learned an awful lot about. I think I don't think you've talked about this at all, maybe on the podcast yet. So you're working on. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I want to talk about it too much. Well, I no, but there should be some context to what you're saying. Oh right yeah, now. yeah. So so. Uh, yeah, going. You're from, just working on a on an RPG. Yeah, just working on an RPG. Going from a card game that is incredibly simple to an RPG that is right. much more. Where complex. you're writing like a rule book for a tabletop. RPG. Yeah, uh, and and just seeing how each version has come and gone and had its highs and lows. I felt like this current version of the game was the closest to what I had wanted. Um, I worked in some mechanics that I felt were more central to the theme rather than like, oh, this is a cool mechanic. No, this serves the theme. Right. Uh, worked out really well. And the people that I had play testing uh, from Tabletop Squadron were just very game for it. They, they were saying yes to a lot of things. And I personally learned that uh, you need to take some of the weight off your shoulders and be more collaborative with what you're making. And that just unlocked so many things. Yeah. Uh, felt great. And now, like, well, it's in full development now. So Yeah, yeah. And I think it was a good, like, GM experience with people that aren't, like, primarily your best friends. And then, you know, that can probably... Mm-hmm put a cramp in but it like sometimes. i want to get a beer with them too oh <laughs> They're yeah super for cool. sure for sure um i had i had uh one of the people that were in the room listening they were like it'd be cool if you just made that into a podcast and i'm like one step at a time please <laughs> just like just let it be just done make it into an actual play but but it was cool to hear that the people listening in had a very entertaining time with it yeah for sure 
Um, so the last thing that I wanted to quickly mention is that we had an opportunity to attend the World Builders Party. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, it was really great. And I wanted to mention it just to plug World Builders, which is an awesome charity that uh, was started by Pat Rothfuss, I believe, the author of Name of the Wind and related the wise man's fear. tomes. Um, and it uses kind of nerdy causes to collect money that is used for a bunch of different things. For um, a bunch of very charitable causes. Yeah, right. Like providing educational resources to people all over the place. Um, it's just a good charity and they do a lot of cool stuff. And so what the party is, is you pay like a hundred something dollars and you play games with like celebrities or mini celebrities in the game space depending on you know people that would matter to you if if you are in these circles yeah right um and so we actually had a chance to play party games for several hours with one half of the team that makes up james s.a Corey, which is the pen name for the author the two men that author the expanse novels there's uh ty frank who is one half and we got to play with the other half daniel abraham yeah, and it was really fun, and it's really cool to just kind of, you know, we, we're all there for a good cause to support charity, and we played Telestrations, which I haven't played in a while, we and I remembered how much I like it. We introduced them to Telestrations, yeah. and they loved right. it. Right, and we played Code Names, which I love also. Um, Teaching one of the Expanse writers to play Code Names was such a surreal experience. Yeah. Well, and and another thing that's nice, and if, if you haven't read The Expanse and you're at all interested in science fiction. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, or if you like the series, I highly encourage you to read the books. They're different enough to still be engaging. You're reading them right now, having only watched the series. And let me tell you, I watched the series first. I'm at the end of the first book. Reading the books is enhancing what yeah, I love about and the show. They're just very well written and they're written in a way that kind of pulls you through to the next page. Um, and they're extremely inclusive and it's just so nice to see as somebody like I grew up reading golden age science fiction and I have spent so much of my life reading about uh, basically like powerful white men in spaceships. Right. And there is some of that because that still is sort of inevitable, but there's a lot of stuff that's not that. And um, it's just a really cool thing to kind of see that representation in this medium that has historically been sort of conservative about that type of diversity. Um, and to meet, you know, Daniel Abram, he he is that in real life. He is a person who, like, cares about representation and like recognizes that men and women have different lots in life uh as far as like what the world presents to them and it was it's cool to see that actually i mean part of me was like how can you be the author of those books and not hold those views but it's nice to see that somebody who is like a powerful person in a room still feels that way Mm -hmm. and isn't afraid to talk about it you know yeah i i felt very safe at that table and it made me feel like sometimes when i when i take in media there's this voice in the back of my head that's like what if you know these people could be awful in real life and if you're giving them money you're gonna feel bad but 
getting the chance to sit down and we, we had some like kind of frank discussions with him about yeah i mean we ended up playing cards against humanity which turned um, to politics which right. turned to illustrations also i think a little bit. always gets kind of political <laughs> because someone draws something and then you know it's like whatever you think you see is what you write down mm-hmm. and uh it's a little bit of a rorschach test for what's going on in your head yeah that's a good way to put it um but yeah just like I walked away from that and I think I said, I want to be him when I grow up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was right. Yeah, there was also just a little bit of talking about writing and like, you know, what it takes to make it work. And that was kind of cool, too. And I didn't want to kind of push him for anything like that because that wasn't really why we th- we were there. But it came up a bit at the end. And it's just nice. It's always nice as we get a little bit older. And I know that we're not old, but a little bit older. To be reminded that it's okay if you're not a master of your craft or being recognized as such in your early 30s. Uh, He said something that really stuck with me, but he said that failure is an inevitability and it's built into every career. But he had talked about how he has pen names when he wants to write certain genres. And when this pen name is no longer good, just make another one. And how he that is faced. such an interesting like almost transactional approach to writing that i hadn't really encountered before sorry all i i've watched last jedi four times this week and all i can hear is kylo saying leave the past behind kill it if you have to and i'm like yeah dude <laughs> screw it man get a new name but it was it was very it was very uh inspirational to hear him say yeah you're gonna fail you just can't stop because if you stop then you stopped at failure. Stopping is the true failure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really treasured that night uh, at World Builders. And just good to see like a lot of well-intentioned people coming together for a good cause. Right. And, you know, especially people in the games industry, which hasn't always been a positive space for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was really cool if you have the disposable income and you go to Gen Con, I highly encourage you to check it out next year. I know we're going to. Um yeah, it <laughs> should be it should be a lot of fun again. And yeah. It's nice to feel like you're putting money towards a good cause. Yeah. I uh speaking of a good cause, I have one thing I want to end on. And it's it's one of my regrets that we weren't able to talk to this person more. Uh I, I had an experience that blew me away uh, Thursday or Friday at the convention. Uh, Magic the Gathering seemed to make a bit of a comeback at this year's convention. I mean, it, or just in the world generally. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's funny because two or three weeks ago I told Liz, I kind of want to play Destiny again. I kind of want to play Magic again. And uh, I was telling my friends from Iron Rise that like, I have this itch to play Magic the Gathering, and it's been so long, I just want to play casually. Magic the Gathering had this ingenious booth set outside the main hall where you would approach this table and there would be five uh, five rows for the different colors in Magic. Uh, white, black, blue, green, red. And when you approach the table, gosh, I wish I could remember her name, but the most incredible inviting pitch person spokesperson I don't know how to describe what what her role was yeah she described Magic the Gathering 
in such an inclusive, easy to understand method that my my jaw was like slacked down on the floor. I I couldn't believe that she distilled the game and all the different factions into such an easy to interpret language. And I I had told you I was like you need to hear this woman speak. She's she's fantastic. And we went back, and I think she was a little tired because it was like the Saturday of the convention. Yeah. And I was like ah she doesn't have like the same like spark. Yeah. But I yeah I, was, but I mean. Even while we were there, some guy came up and was like, I want the only the only color that matters. And like, it's a, probably a lot of time that she spent dealing Fuck with you. This isn't for you. Yeah. Dealing with like whatever is the opposite of a filthy casual. Some guy know. who only plays blue planeswalkers and like stomps all over noobs. That's not who this is for. Yeah. Shut up. So go away. It, it was interesting to see that interaction, but yeah, she was great. And and what I was going to say is she was the opposite of that. Like there was no sort of, there was no like, I'm sure you know about magic. Like there was no expectation that you would already know about it. It was just a completely you used to play, open. Right? I played when I was like 10. Sure. Oh, wow. It cousin. is that old, isn't it? Yeah. And so like, and my cousin, Matt, who you know, mm-hmm. um, had a bunch of them a bunch of decks or cards or whatever and so like for a little while i had a bunch i got into it but then i actually never had anyone to play with except for him at like family gatherings which Uh was like once a year then maybe i played like once um i just didn't have a lot of nerdy friends really in junior high or anything so um that is sad but now i have a nerdy friend forever so jokes on all of those assholes (laughs) Uh, is that how we're ending it? <laughs> well, I I just wanted to say uh, the like I, I wish I I really wanted to like sit down with her and say, can I just have five minutes and can I ask you how you approach teaching? Did you say that she was like a preschool teacher? Or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. When when I went up to the table uh, the first time, uh, we had heard her say that she is a preschool teacher and she's used to trying to distill these big heavy ideas into easy to swallow uh, sentences. I like the idea of like a four-year-old coming up to her and being like, what is death? (laughs) And she's like... It's inevitable. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I like... If if anyone from Magic the Gathering is listening and you know... She had like a green streak in her hair. Yeah, she seemed like a cool lady. I was just so impressed with her ability to not only stay on topic and and keep up with everything, despite people like that jackass saying, like, blue's the best. Like, first off, no, it's not. Secondly... I did pick blue, so I think that you just need to chill a little bit It's going to be that. fine. It's going to be fine. It was his attitude that was It was problem, his attitude. You're not correct. Not his flavor. But, uh, it, like, it... it taught me because i was going into the earworm meetup later that night and i was like i'm gonna have to teach this game a lot and i was like i wish i could harness your serenity and in calm and just like keep it with me yeah yeah it was yeah great. that is a good note to end on it's good to see like to have positive interactions like that especially at a huge convention full of people yeah some of whom are cranky and smelly and sweaty and it's hot uh yeah and and i meant to say this earlier but i shout out to the smells at gen con shout out to the smells at gen con shout out to the smells at gen a lot of cumin um that is not what that was not at all uh i also i went by the certifiable studios uh 
tables to see who goes there. And this one dude was teaching like three games at once. And uh, he's like, hey, what do you want? I'm like, nothing. I back the game. I'm like backer 20. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I gave him a high five. And like to see him be like, oh, thank God. Like, uh, if, if you can tell somebody without disrupting their day that you like what they do, please do that because yeah. it, it has an impact. And that, that's all I got. Yeah. Call your lawyers and call. tell them that you like what they do. Yep. But maybe also don't call them because maybe they'll bill for that conversation. Yeah. They probably won't. It's going to cost you like $70. No. For like three crazy. minutes? Ten minutes? That's one tenth of an hour. Yeah. I don't if know. Your lawyer, lawyer rates are a lot. $700 an hour. Lawyers are a don't lot. Don't call them. I don't know. I get the work for free. Um. Okay. Well uh coming up officially off the rails this is off the rails um so thank you to i i want to say thank you to everyone that came to our panel had a lot of people come up after the panel and say thank you and one person even gave me their card and wanted to play destiny raids with me i'm gonna contact you this week i have your card in my wallet uh don't worry we're gonna play some destiny uh yeah i guess i we should talk a tiny bit about the panel um, extreme shout out to our Carly two and other Amanda. panelists. Yep. Um, they, it was a really good group this year. I thought. Yeah, really, really good vibes. Uh, different per like same positivity, but different perspectives on how to handle situations. Uh, had some great questions from our audience members. Um, and we will be putting up the audio for that a little bit later in the year. Right. Probably when we get married, that'll be the. Hey, we're getting That'll married. That'll be funny because the theme of the panel is basically listen to your partner. Yep. Uh, so that might be appropriate for wedding week. It seems like, and I, I kind of every answer to how do I get to do this should be listen to your partner and then pivot accordingly. But really, listening right. is the crux of everything that Liz and I do for each other. Yeah, and I do think it, but I I think that being said, it's important to still have these discussions. I like doing the panel. I think that when people ask specific questions, because it's easy to say, look, listen to your partner. And I think that should be everybody's goal. But sometimes you need to frame a question in the context of a specific situation to figure out, okay, but what is the best thing to be listening for? Like if you're trying to introduce your partner to a new type of game and you don't know what's the best way to approach that you know it i just want to make sure that it's clear like some of the things we were saying were definitely more nuanced than just listen to your partner but that is always a good idea yeah i i should specify that should be like maybe the bottom brick of a pyramid and then you need to build (laughs) this is maslow's hierarchy of hanging out with your partner it goes step one is you have to listen listen Pivot accordingly, grains, and then I tried making a food pyramid joke and it didn't no. work. No, th- wow. I already made it a Maslow's hierarchy joke. You can't uh, turn it into the. Also, uh, it's like a food circle now. What? It's like a plate. It's with the stuff recycle. On it. <laughs> yeah, man. And this you is now the mystery yuck symbol. All right. Okay. Well, we've taken up an hour of your time. <laughs> but I bet it was good. I hope it was good. Oh God, I hope it was good. This um, has been Couch Talk. This has been Couch Talk with Liz and Aaron. If you want to talk about more about couches, futons, sectionals, right. just leave your messages on Twitter. Yeah. Also, feel free to send us any MeUndies that are not used oh, so that God. we can understand better. I forgot about, about this. About what they are. 
this whole bit. Furthermore, please send us a mattress. <laughs> My also, family is dying. Not used. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's gonna do it. We'll see you soon. Oh my gosh, we didn't clink. What? No, we didn't have a drink. Here, let's clink at the end. Oh, yeah, this is weird. We can make it Here work. Here we go. All right. Goodbye, Bye. Clink. They're not going to hear that. Bye. Clink. <laughs>